What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Effin' Growth live stream. We're getting up here. We're at number 23 uh, on the countdown. I, we got excited the other day thinking about 100 episodes, even though it's still like so far away. That's like two years from now. But I don't know why that number stuck in my head. It's like if we get to 100 episodes, I'll get I'll be so excited of, of what we've done here because that's that's a lot of consistency. But anyway, today we're going to talk all about where to find Webflow talent. We've been talking over the last couple of weeks about community and about connections. We've teased this agency incubator project. So if you were on the stream last week, we did this big interactive uh, Miro board about how to get involved in the community. And one of the things we covered was the agency incubator. And part of that is like how to recruit talent. And so this is gonna be a sneak peek. This episode is just gonna be a sneak peek of how to find talent, where to find talent. Uh, we're gonna go through our typical disclaimer like we you know, usually do before we get into this. But you know, before we get too far into the show, let's F and grow. All right, what's up, Joe? Hey, hey, how's it going? Yeah. I'm excited about this one because this is something I've been thinking about and doing for the past three years, mm. finding Webflow talent. That's what we're doing at FinSuite, trying to bring people into our company that have talent. So talking about this is very exciting for me. Yep. Uh, real quick, let's say hello to the crew. We got Babis here, Victor crew. What's up, Ayush? Uh, Slawek, Ariel T, uh, let's see, Magdalena's in the house, Aditya's in the house, Jay Poucher, Gay Perez, Brandon Tancock, Carrie Craver. What is up, Mike Elrod popping in here. Go ahead and give that video a like. If you're not subscribed to the channel, we'd love uh, and appreciate that. And if you're uh, really feeling generous, go ahead and share this with a friend so they can join us today and learn about how to find uh, top talent in the world of Webflow. So we always start the episode with a disclaimer. So Joe, how does our disclaimer go today? What's the first item on the block? This episode is about finding or recruiting people to your agency or making partnerships or connections with people in the Webflow community. It's about making meaningful connections, either joining teams or making friends really yeah. that that's what this is more about over something like finding new clients or finding new job opportunities. That's yeah. not what this episode's about. That's a different episode. Yeah. We're focused less on and, the transactional aspect of this and more on how do you build meaningful relationships long-term? Where do you find the talent that's going to really help you elevate your career? So we're not talking about how do you hire some, you know, person to do a nominal task or how do you delegate your Lottie files illustrations? Like that's not this episode. What we're talking about is how do you build those meaningful connections with other people in the community that allow you to take that next step in your career that allow you to maybe partner up on a, on a way bigger project. Um, you know, how do you fill some of the gaps um, that you may be missing from a talent side? So uh, what else here um, in the disclaimer? You need to you need to vet people. Mm. That is a very important disclaimer for this episode. We'll be giving you a lot of information about how to find people, but it is your job to vet them yeah. just because their portfolio looks good or just because they appear to be talented or appear to be great to work with. That doesn't mean that that's true. So you need to find out how you vet people and how you qualify people to be a meaningful connection for you. 
Yeah. So that's really important. Please keep that in mind throughout this entire episode. Yeah. And then last disclaimer, you're going to make mistakes. This is not a listen to this episode, find someone and have a wonderful partnership. That's probably not going to happen. You'll make a mistake, a small mistake, a big mistake. It happens. When I started doing this, I made a lot of mistakes, a lot, a lot, a lot, very high rate of failure. Yeah. But you get used to it. You understand how to vet people. You understand how to look for these people. And over time, you will get good at it. So yeah. be patient with this. And I think this is a good place to point out. Um, we will talk about this in a little more detail, but this goes to the strength of the relationships we mentioned in the in, earlier in the disclaimer. You know, like the ability to find the right people is more about people who are going to be giving their all and who are always like looking to, to take the next step. You're not just looking for people who are trying to assembly line work or who are just trying to like churn and burn projects or something like that. Again, that's not what we're talking about here. We want to make sure that these relationships give you an opportunity to take a step up as opposed to just accomplish a project or get something, you know, in the books as a next project. And so um, just keep that in mind as we go through this episode, that's going to be the filter, the lens that we're looking at this content um, through. So let's get started with where to start, uh, when to start looking. So Joe, um, and we've done an episode on this. Actually, our first episode on growth was about how to prepare for growth and make your first hire. So if you're looking for an in-depth idea of when to hire and basically this first little section, if you want to take that into depth, check out the first episode of this stream. But when is the right time, Joe, to start looking to make these relationships? And I guess you should probably be looking to make these partnerships before you even need the help in my mind. Right. But but when totally. when do you specifically start looking because these relationships are the ones that take time to build right it took it, it took you and i a year and a half of chatting and talking on twitter and just seeing each other's work in the community to be able to say like okay i i would do business with this guy on an ongoing basis let's figure out how to do something more here um so when when do you think like what talk through some of that experience from your perspective sure I like to think of two primary reasons why you would look for talent. Number one is when you or your team have too much work. So you are overworking yourself or your team is overworking and there's just more leads than you can take or more leads you can take. So there's just way too much stuff going on and you need to hire people to better distribute this work. That's one reason. Number two, it's when you're not good at something, when you're looking for someone with complementing skills. And this is why Rymar is on the team, because he is so much better at something than I am. And I knew that I needed to hire out for that. He has this very special skill of community, marketing, and putting these efforts into business. So that is something that I'm not very familiar with. And he had the experience of so that was the sign to hire Rymar. It wasn't because of too much work. So those are the big two reasons. And those two reasons are going to happen continuously as your business grows. There'll be too much work. You have to bring someone on or you are now in this need of a new skill. Your business is growing and you need this brand new skill that was no longer there. That wasn't there before. That's when. That's when I yeah. like to look for talent. Yeah. And we had a when not to look in there too, to, to not hire people mm -hmm. just because you don't want to do the work, 
right? The time to hire people or the time to like find this talent is not just because you want to offload all the shit work that you don't want to do, right? Building a successful business requires some shit work. It requires being in the trenches. And it's hard if you start thinking you're just going to outsource all the crap work that comes with building a business because you want to like build a machine and you have processes and blah, blah, whatever. Um, you're going to miss out on some of the important parts that come along with building a successful business, um, overcoming some of those hurdles, understanding how shitty that work is, and therefore not overloading people with that work when you pass it on. Um, and so um, this is not necessarily like, I know there's some business gurus out there who are just like, oh, you know, get on Fiverr, get on Upwork, hire a bunch of virtual assistants, delegate all your work, build processes, blah, blah. Okay. Some of that works. Some people have built cool businesses around that. We're not looking to build a cool business, right? We're looking to build something special, right? We're looking to build the next FinSuite. We're looking to build the next like cool, whatever it is, right? If you're here, you're listening to this stuff, you're trying to do something more than just another agency that handles like the local mom and pop businesses in your market, right? Those are a dime a dozen. There's all sorts of, and maybe that is what you want to do, but we're thinking you're trying to like take that next step. And that kind of involves understanding, seeing that whole picture, um, I don't know. Did I miss anything as part of that? Um, I just don't try to outsource or offload the hard stuff too soon. I think that can be a crippler just as much as finding the right time to do that or finding the right talent. If you start doing that too soon, you can really hurt yourself as well. Absolutely. And when you focus on working with people that are just completing tasks, they're mm -hmm. just task workers like a Fiverr worker or like an Upwork worker. You're not building a culture. You're not building your team. You're just getting through a statement of work. You're getting through a contract, satisfying that contract and move on to the next one. Yeah. It's very rare that we'll allow someone to join FinSuite when they're doing other things, when they're working on other things or other clients. We want people to spend their time with us. We want people to love the company. That's a really important piece of growing your business. And you're not going to find that on, on Upwork. You're not going to find that on Fiverr. Yeah. And that can be hard to do, right? Especially if very, you're early on. Very hard. Saying that you're going to set some threshold that like people have to be full time and you can't pay them full time. Like this, these are tough things, right? And so, again, this is where standing out in the community or elevating your status, like people will do things for you in ways that maybe like like they'll go above and beyond and this is who you want to build these relationships with right like you want to find people who are going to um and the way you look for this is for people who are doing this in their own work but people who are like pushing themselves right taking that extra step putting we, we've talked about like separating yourself in this space is really about taking care and like those finishing details and the nuances and really kind of going above and beyond. And you, you want to find the other people to partner with that have that same requirement from themselves, right? It's hard to build something where the overall product is going to be really highly consistently good product. If everyone inside of that machine doesn't kind of hold themselves to a higher standard, because it's impossible for you when you do start growing or scaling some of this stuff to maintain that oversight Right. You kind of got to have good people who are going to hold themselves to those standards, who are self-sufficient, who are going to push. So you're not always just having to crack the whip. So um, let's that's, see. That's a great point. I'm so I'm so glad you said that, because 
that did not happen in the beginning of FinSuite. My last comment about having people come full time and, and spending all their effort with FinSuite, that is very hard to get to. You can work towards it in the beginning, but that didn't start happening for a year or two of trying to find people. There yeah. were probably five, six, seven failures before that person was found, that first person that we got a meaningful connection with. So yeah. you have to be patient with this. And then I think goes back to the disclaimer, right? That says, it's gonna take time. You're gonna get this wrong, you know, like, so at yep. some level, you just have to start experimenting and taking some risks. Hopefully you're doing that once you have some stability in the projects that you're bringing in and a little bit of room to experiment. Um, but yeah, let, let's see, Carrie said something about, what about people who love the work that you might not enjoy? I love some of the works others can't stand. Um, it's very subjective. Yeah, this is very subjective. Uh, I think this comes down to client, right? Client requirements. This comes down to understanding the scopes of the project. Um, I don't know, Joe, how would you answer that for Carrie? Uh, yeah, that to me falls in the, the idea of when you aren't good at something, that you're looking for a complementing skill. Maybe you're good at it, but you're, you don't want to do it. This is something that... We, we just said we don't want to say that we don't want to do it. Uh, yeah, this this is something that can help you do other things, help you take on other work. So, yeah, this is this is something that I would go and find somebody for, because if you don't like to do it, you're not going to do a good job doing it. Yeah. And to, um, to your point there where you were just saying, like, at the end of the day, it is your responsibility if you're going to scale something to get yourself out of the critical path which means you have to then offload almost all of the work you know whether it's crap you don't want to do or stuff you enjoy doing you have to find a way to step away from it the point that we made in the disclaimer that's or in the in the first phase where it's like not about dumping the stuff you don't want to do it's about doing that too early right it's about doing it before you understand the critical pieces of how that plays into your infrastructure or into your project or your agency or whatever so that you can understand how to delegate that stuff effectively the people who run into trouble are the ones who start trying to delegate from like day one and they don't even really understand the process of building a website and so now or whatever that project is and so now they can't oversee that effectively and so once you do figure some of that stuff out, then you can start offloading the stuff that you don't necessarily want to do or that has different perspectives. So I think Carrie's saying like, this is all subjective here. So maybe, you know, somebody's design work that somebody else thinks is not great. Another person over here thinks is great. Well, this comes down to, again, I think client expectations. What is the scale of the project? Um, are you representing that work when you sold it? So let's say you like this type of design but somebody hired you for this type of design. Well, are you doing a bait and switch or are you delivering consistently on what they hired you for? So I think that goes down to expectations and making sure it's the right person for the right project, which doesn't always have to be the top designer or the most creative person. Maybe the story matters here more. Maybe you want a better copywriter over here. Maybe the illustrations are gonna lead where over here you wanna do something with just you know the typography. So. You could have different designers, different styles kind of doing uh, some of that. And I think actually as you grow, having variety is a, is a good thing to do uh, with, with that. So um, any other thoughts to that, Joe, before we move on here? No, let's I wanted, move on. I wanted well, to answer Slawek's question here too. So he's asking, who is more important, a talent or someone who is passionate about what he is doing? 
uh, hungry for the knowledge and being determined. It depends. If you're hiring someone to do a specific job, hopefully they know that, that piece of it, right? And so you want them to kind of be talented and knowledgeable in that space. If you're hiring somebody or if you're bringing or partnering somebody that you think has potential to grow with you and you're looking to mentor this person, you're looking to kind of like bring them up to speed, I think that's, you know, like you could just be looking for the mindset or the the, the gumption at that point. So, um, Joe, what do you what do you say to Slawick here? I am going to say it's more important for the passionate person. I think that's more important than talent because you can be as talented as you want. If you're not passionate about the work, I do believe that that shows. Maybe it doesn't show on the first project, maybe not the second project, but as you do more projects, it will be noticeable that this person's not passionate. I think that that is a baseline requirement for being successful in this website industry. Yeah, great, great answer there. Um, Penny Real quick too, I'll address this because this is right on point. Whether you're building a big agency or prefer to serve mom and pop shops, your aim should be the same. Do the standard of work you'd expect, hang on here, from a service you'd buy for yourself. Penny, I couldn't yep. have said that better. I literally couldn't have said that better. Nailed it. You know, it's about holding yourself up to a standard, whether, because a lot of people who end up with the big sites are the ones that started with the small sites and they keep doing exactly that, Penny. They set the bar. They take a next step, do something a little better, and then that leads to the next project. Um, and so, yeah, I agree. Um, just holding yourself to account, regardless of the size of the project, is something that um, will never go wrong, will never do you wrong. So, um, okay, Absolutely. let's jump out of these comments. Let's get back to where to look, which um, is kind of, we, we and we tap this all the time, and Slawick was on this a little earlier. He's just kind of like, we're gonna, we're gonna give up the show to him. He, he goes, <laughs> and this reads almost like our notes here. It's like, showcase, clone comp, in the Webflow community, Facebook group, YouTube, these are the most achievable places at the moment. I, and I, I think he finishes with, I think. So where to look? Did uh, Slavic get it right here? Did he miss anything? Where are we looking? Um, Joe, does, this looks like yeah. your list in the notes here. So what do you say? Nailed it. I'll just read my list and, and show how similar it is. <laughs> Where to look? Showcase. That's a huge one. The forum. People are showing how much they know about Webflow. Facebook group. A lot of good activity happening in there. Twitter. A lot of good activity happening in there. Also, joining strong and experienced micro communities. Mm. Like what we're doing at FinSuite. Our live shows. We're going to give you a story of how our live shows are actually helping us find talent. People like Pixel Geek, Flowbase Discord, Flowmingo. These are communities of people inside websites that are being led by people who are experienced. And following people who are experienced, you're going to get a really good, usually you'll get a really good set of people that are part of that community. So joining these communities, joining these social platforms, being more active in the showcase and the forum, this is how you are going to naturally find people in this industry. Yeah. And what, uh, <clears throat> what's the old parable? You're known by the company you keep. And so as you hang around in these other groups, right, as you start connecting with the Pixel Geek community or Timothy Rick's Patreon community or Mackenzie Child's Flowmingo or um, uh, Tom Becker's has his flow base, has a big, you know, like uh, Discord channel. Like all of these people are like creating really interesting things very strong communities with high level users in the space, right? 
and that's not to say that some of the other communities uh, are less valuable. It's just that though we're in a we're in an industry where like appearance matters, right? That website or that impression is kind of that first impression like you might make in person. And so not to say that some of these smaller groups can't grow because I encourage you all to start a group and 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 find a way to build your own presence. But the best way to do that is to go into some of these established groups and provide value and suck people back into this other thing. And so if you're looking to start building your own um, presence, and this is something lots of online influencers harp on, right? Especially anybody who talks about how to get found on Twitter. The goal is not to bring people to your tweets. The, the goal is for you to go find interesting people and engage with their tweets because then that puts you on their radar. Right. And so it's the same thing in this space. If you're looking to connect with top talent or if you're looking to find and inter integrate, interact with top talent, you probably want to be in the same places where the top talent hangs out and find ways to get on their radar. Right. Find. We talk about this all the time. Some cool clonable project to deliver, some interesting design to put out there, some style, something or other that, you, you know, that just, again, stops people in the tracks, grabs people's attention, draws their eye to you. Um, if you can find yourself in this position, you'll be so much better at building these relationships because just like sales, you'll have lots of opportunities of people that want to come and work with you, of people that want to reach out and say, hey, how can we partner on something? How can we do something together? Right. And when you're in that position, now you can be a little more selective of the type of things you want to do or the type of joint ventures you could experiment with or, you know, um, any of that stuff. So, yeah, I. Um, just just you know caveating some of that there absolutely and you have sense. no idea what one single thing can do for you long term one comment inside a facebook group post one tweet that somebody sees and finds interesting one forum post that helps somebody solve their problem that one thing can lead to a very powerful connection for you there have been yeah. a lot of times where i've reached out to people because they had a really intelligent Facebook group comment answer, that they answered somebody's question in a very smart way. And I reached out and said, hey, let's talk. That was a really great, great response there. Yeah. So you have no idea what little tiny thing you can do makes a big impact. Yeah, That's what this is about, doing those little tiny things to have the big impact. What's up, Thomas? Uh, let's see. Michael made a good point here. Small clients are the ones that take us to the next level. When you're starting, 100%, right? It's very rare that you start out in this industry and you're starting with like, you know, the VIP clients. So um, for sure. And then he finishes up with uh, an open doors we couldn't. So yeah, small clients often know bigger clients, right? They become great referral sources. So doing, again, going back to Penny's point of holding yourself to that high standard, uh, opens doors and then, you know, who, who knows where that, like Joe said, where one relationship leads to the next thing or where one comment, one interaction, one something puts you on a map. When I first started getting into this space, I was, um, and not first started getting into this space, but after I had decided like this space was great um, and, and I saw this job for the head of community at Webflow, I built a website because I'm like, this is what, the, what better way to get Webflow's attention than to build a website. And I built this hire me portfolio page that people still talk to me about to this day, right? It's still in my portfolio. People are still like, oh, I remember when that posted and doing a grand gesture, something like that. It may not always hit, but again, finding a way to look out, um, to, to stand out from the crowd uh, really helps bring those people to you. 
And so where to look is great, right? Um, you can go find people all the time. You can go try to chase people down all the time. But if you get the people to come find you, it's a whole different ball of wax, right? A whole different ball of wax. Um, and, okay. and that's something that we're, we're starting to do here, that our, this growth show and our critique show, it's starting to bring people into our community and helping us identify talent as we grow FinSuite. And we have a success story. We have we have Luca, who submitted a site on Critique. We reviewed the site on Critique, gave a lot of issues, gave a lot of praise. He wrote an email after really thanking us for that that review. A few conversations later, and now he is designing the illustrations for Clone Comp for us. So we're now actively working with him. This seems like it's going to be a strong relationship. And we found this person through them submitting on critique and us critiquing their their website live. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. That we're now bringing people to us and giving people a way to be found through these shows. Yeah. And don't think you have to be going viral or have huge audiences for this stuff to be effective. Um, years ago, I was doing this thing locally where I, I like the, the local news started a paywall on their website. And so I paid for the paywall and I would literally get online and read the news on a live stream. And like, it wasn't super popular, but I had like, you know, four or 500 views per episode kind of thing, 600 views per episode. And a client saw, a few, it wasn't a client at the time, but somebody saw that and liked my style, liked my attitude, my approach, whatever. And they reached out and they were like, hey, can we work with you on X? Um, and that led to a really big project. Actually, it led to my biggest Webflow project, reading the local news, right, in my local market. And so, like, to do these things does not require hundreds of thousands of views or millions of Facebook, you know, likes or Twitter followers or whatever, right? It requires high-quality content. It requires you being dedicated to provide value back to the audience at whatever scale that may be. And it requires some some level of consistency, right? It wasn't the first episode where I'm reading the news where this person reached out. They saw me doing this over the course of, a, of, of months, you know, and they're like, okay, right? Because when you see somebody with dedication to a cause or dedication to a certain thing, you're like, this person could be a great partnership. This could be, he's got talent, right? So going to the point before, do you need the talent or do you want the attitude, which is more important? Well, in this instance, they can see both, right? So I can see... Look at this consistency. Maybe they don't have a million views on YouTube, but maybe we could help with some marketing assets, but the content is there. The meat is there, right? Maybe this person isn't landing the million dollar website projects, but look at what they are building. Look at the technical nature of this. Look how beautiful they are. Look how, you know, nice they are. And so like all of these things can scale and, and amplify. And you don't, again, have to worry about doing them for massive audiences. The audiences will grow over time as long as you consistently provide value inside of your work. Awesome. That uh -huh. is just so accurate. It's, it's so true that you have to be patient with this. We keep saying this on this episode. You're not going to build something, launch it, and something's going to happen immediately. There are projects we launched years ago that we're just starting to hear people talk about now. And that is was never expected, but that's what happens. Yeah. And also, it's not just about creating something and waiting for people to find it. We are now starting to look at active connections. 
And that's what we're doing at Clone Comp here, that this is a way to connect with people active, in real time, live, at an event. And that's how you can also make an impact on people, that right. you may meet one person at Clone Comp, and that one person is going to help you do something really awesome. Yep, That's powerful. And you can meet that person just by showing up, just by having a good conversation and talking to them. You don't even have to go and build a clonable or build some piece of content. Yeah. We are giving you th this opportunity to meet people. That's great. Right. Think about the open house event that we hosted where um, Bryant yeah. and Vlad were just walking around and like, how often do you get a chance to just bump into Vlad in a hallway of some virtual event and chat with them, right? But if you don't show up, then you don't get that chance regardless of what happens at the event. And it's not always gonna be a Vlad, right? It may just be Joe. It may just be me. It may be the next person you collaborate on a project with, right? It doesn't have to be, that's why it doesn't have to be this real high level person. And Grace brings up this really good point. I wanted to highlight this comment from Grace. Where did it go? Where did it go? Uh, let's see. There it is. The great thing, and this will per go perfect into like our next little section of finding the right fit. But the great thing about the Webflow community is that everyone loves talking about Webflow and you already have something in common to connect with. So it does become like real easy to make these connections because Webflow in my mind is like a superpower that we unlock inside of ourselves. And so when you know that power and you understand like the ability that this thing gives you, to connect with other people, to be able to talk to other people about this, because it's typically, it's the same story, right? It's somebody who's been a designer for a while or who's been working with WordPress or Wix or something like that, and they've always kind of been handcuffed with what they can build. And now Webflow just unlocks all of that. And that superpower is like a really easy to connect, right? It's easy to just build these conversations and to, and to, to, to find real good connections. So Joe, on finding the right fit, Right. Because we've already established that people are going to get some of this wrong. Um, the timing matters as to when they do some of this. So how do they increase their odds of finding the right fit, you know, of, of making sure that these connections stick and that um, the relationships are valuable moving forward? You need to have a high expectation for yourself, even if you may fail, even if you're just testing this new thing out. You have to set a high standard for yourself. You can't settle for okay, or you can't settle for, ah, let's just try this out. Why not? You need to be confident about who you're moving forward with, even if it's a test, because if you're not, you're just going to waste your time and both people will be unhappy at the end. So look at someone and really imagine them fitting into your workflow long-term, not just for one project. So set that expectation for yourself. Everybody has a different one. You know, whether you're an agency or a freelancer or what you're looking for, it's different for everybody, but make sure you set that standard. Don't just go down lower just because that's the bad move. Yeah, there's so many times where you find yourself in a pinch, whether, you know, um, your time is too tight in demand or some project comes up that you're like, oh, that's a lot of money. I'm going to go get this thing. And maybe you're gonna offload part of it to somebody and you just say yes, because you wanna get this job done or you wanna do something. And then it ends up getting done crappy or it's not effective and you actually hurt yourself, right? Maybe you piss off a big client or maybe you don't deliver on time or, um, yeah, I, 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 okay. I'm gonna go back to a story from when I first got started in web design because I had never built a website for anybody. I had never branded a company's website. Um, and somehow I talked this 
company because I had done sales before um, and I was going to these chamber of commerce events and I talked this guy into like they were doing this rebrand and they were going to rebuild this website and I talked him into hiring me and that meant a $10,000 deal to rebuild a website and do a logo neither of which I had ever done before professionally and so like my experience up to this point was on like Photoshop three, not CS anything. It was like Photoshop, no, six or seven, something like that, right? On a Toshiba that was like this fat. And so I get this project thinking, I'm just gonna hire somebody to build this website. No big deal, how hard can it be? Well, I go to hire somebody and we're, we've got 90 days to do this project. 45 days into this project, he starts like giving me signals where I'm just like, uh, this is not good. 15 days later, so, so I got 30 days left, 60 days into this project, the guy comes to me and says, I can't do this. And I'm like, excuse me, for, for two months, you've been telling me that we're good, that everything's good to go, that, you know, like we're going to hit this deadline. And I had learned how to do Illustrator. And so I, 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 I had taken care of the logo, but this website was not getting done. And so 30 days out from this client, I had to scramble and learn how to build websites. And that's literally how I got started in the web business. Like I had no intention of being a web designer, but I found the wrong fit and it forced me within 30 days to have to like scramble together to build this site. And it, the site was terrible, by the way, the site was atrocious, um, but it did what the client wanted. And I had such a good relationship with the client that I promised them like, don't worry, I'm gonna fix this for you. This is gonna be beautiful. I explained a little bit about what happened. And over the course of the next year, as I learned WordPress, I built them a beautiful site, um, big, you know, nice, well-designed, like everything was just, it was just good. And I made up for this mistake. But what I thought was gonna be a shortcut, what I thought was gonna be a big win, goes back to our disclaimer. I tried to delegate too early. I didn't know how to manage a web design client. I didn't know what to look for in this person to make sure that the checkpoints were being hit or that we were moving in the right direction. Um, even the technologies, like, I didn't even know what to ask him. So he was building in one stack and we needed to be in another stack. And so like there was all these just, it was just all the wrong things. And so just goes to show that like making sure you, you find that right fit and that you understand how to manage and control that process. Because at the end of the day, you're the one that holds the cards, right? If you close the deal, if it's your business, if it's your agency, it doesn't matter if Joe Schmo wrecked the day. At the end of the day, it comes up on you, right? It doesn't matter if, it was, you know, Steve or Joe that messed up. No, no offense, Joe. Um, but uh, yeah, like it's you. At the end of the day, it's you. It's your brand. So um, yeah, I don't know. Just wanted to share that story because it was like, yeah. <laughs> I remember stressing out so hard trying to figure out how I was going to build that guy's website. <laughs> and it was the biggest project I had ever landed. So, like literally. <laughs> it's good that you said yes to that because I am happy that you landed in the website field yeah. but don't be afraid to say no that's that's a big message in that story that even if you can find a way that it works and find this person to de delegate the work to or form this partnership right before the project that's a big risk and if you don't feel right about it if you haven't done a proper test with this person yet and really tested out the working relationship yeah you may want to just say no. You may want to end the relationship, whether it's ending the relationship with the client, whether it's ending the relationship with this new community contact you're trying to communicate with. Just be very aware of it. Don't be locked into any type of relationship unless you really yeah. want to be locked into that relationship. Right. Um, yeah. And again, there's a lot of things that I wish I had known going 
into into that because like I wasn't networking in the space, right? This was like when I got this project, I was like, who do I know that does websites? And it was like a scramble mode to find somebody versus, oh, I've got these six people over here that I know do really quality work that I've been kind of interacting with. Let me pull, you know, one of them on for this project. And so, yeah, um, knowing when to say no, knowing when to walk away. Um, I don't know that I would have said no to that project anyway, because I, I to be honest, I needed the money in the moment. Um, and I was going to find a way to do it, right? So like sometimes in this business, I think you have to challenge yourself, but you should put yourself in as many positions not to be able to drop that ball, right? Because that could have been that could have been the last web design project I ever did had I not had the relationship I had with them over time, you know, and was offering value on the content side of things. So the website was not like um, we were doing some marketing stuff. And so that I was good at that. I was strong at. And so the, the, the website became a tool that I was like, don't worry, this will get better as we go. This is how it works. You got to constantly iterate on this thing, you know? And so like I started finding ways to, to keep that moving, which sometimes you have to be scrappy early on, um, which is why we can give you good advice now is because we made all the mistakes already, right? So a lot of the times when we tell you this stuff, it's not just because, you know, we like to say it, it's because we've been there. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Brandon's saying a good... Uh, good point here your agency is only as good as your last project but consider your project is only as good as your weakest link yeah perfect nice um that's a good one <laughs> slow way 10k sounds always like i'm able to do it yeah i hear you i think i had <laughs> like six bucks in my bank account at the time literally i had stumbled my way into it's a long story so we won't get into it but i had like six bucks in my bank account i was living in a spare bedroom of a friend who had given me a couple bucks to start this enterprise, this this tech thing that I was doing, which again, had no idea how I was doing. Um, and I just, yeah, I, and I almost blew it. I almost showed up late to the meeting that morning because I overslept because I couldn't sleep the night before. And uh, one day I'll share the whole story of that morning. Um, but yeah, it was a wild entry into the world of web design. But yeah, like Slavik saying here, sometimes you just got to take the gig, you know, sometimes you just got to like make it happen. And that's, that's a lot of times sure. how you learn, right? Trial by fire. So all of our advice here is just sometimes you got to throw it out the window and just find a way to make shit uh, work. But as often as possible, when you can find quality people to do that with, to lean on, to ask for advice, right? I didn't have any mentors back then. Now I have people that I could reach out to and I could say, hey, how, sh how should I do this? Or, you know, um, and those are not necessarily like relationships that I paid for. They're just relationships you build with other talented people in the space so that over time, as you need something, you can make those asks. You have a network to like fall back on or to be able to ask for advice. And, you know, that doesn't always have to be transactional. That doesn't always have to be you paying somebody dollars for that stuff. It could be, you know, value you exchange in lots of other ways. So um, anything else before we slide over to the next um, tab here? Nope. That goes right into making a connection that making this connection is such an important part of this business. Whether you're making connections with clients, with the people in the community, with people on your team, you have to form some type of connection past just doing the work. Of course, you need to do the work. You need to get it done. We have agreements. We have businesses. It has to happen. But when you have a connection, you get more power. You get more control. You get more transparency. You get better communication for both parties. This is for both parties. 
And because of that, your working relationship is going to be much stronger. It's going to last longer. It's going to be more effective, more efficient. It's a win-win-win. So yeah. let's talk a little bit about how to make these connections and how right. to how to start really how to start making the connection from someone you just met. So the first one, do a test, do some type of test that is going to prove your working relationship. If you're trying to work with this person on a client type project, do a test client project, not with a real client, not with something active. Find a way where both of you can do this test together and you can both examine if the relationship is right. And ideally, this test is going to be a minimal loss, minimal gain for both parties. Hmm. Once we start doing these test relationships on paid projects, once money is involved and it is a money focused project, that's when you're focusing on money and not focusing on actually making the connection and figuring out if it's a connection worth making. So that test project or that test communication or that series of video calls is very important for vetting the person you're about to make a relationship with. Yeah. Yeah, that's, um, I mean, money complicates everything. And mm -hmm. in the world of for-profit web design, there's always a money component. And so balancing that, right? Balancing the, because you don't want to like, you don't want to make it seem like you're trying to get free work from somebody and you don't want to like, you know, make the process too hard where you just end up fighting over something and never get a connection made, you know? So finding that balance of testing the waters, doing something together, finding that low risk, you know, opportunity for collaboration, um, which again goes to like, why having some of this community stuff or having a lot of different uh, tentacles to your operation is helpful because that means there's lots of other places to test things, right? With this Luca thing, bringing somebody in to do some illustrations on clone comp or, you know, with some of our client first stuff that we're trying to evolve. Um, it's a great opportunity for us to test new developers by having them look at some of this client first stuff and see how easily they can adapt some of these processes, right? This allows us to see, can they come and work inside of the framework that we're testing? And these are very low friction tests, right? And they're not client projects, so we're not passing off, you know, people's work to clients. Um, cause I think that's, you know, that's, that's not good, right? If you're not paying people and then you're passing that off for client work, like in me, in my mind, that's a no, no. So yeah, finding those low risk ways to test those connections and be able to, to, cause you don't want to dive in head first, right? You don't know how deep the water is. You never dive in head first into shallow water, right? And so you always want to test that water out before you decide like to sign some big contract or some big partnership agreement or whatever it may be. Um, so what else do we have here on? How about uh, a, a really good example of that? Something very minimal loss, minimal, minimal gain is a clonable. Mm. This is a great opportunity to work together with somebody. It's not based on client work. Maybe you need an, some additional tests to test the client side of things. But you can do a lot of your working relationship tests by teaming together to form a clonable. Imagine, showcase clonable. This company and this company have come together to do XYZ clonable. Or this person and this person. Or this person and this company. That's a really easy way to get started. Both companies can win. If one company doesn't show up or somebody doesn't deliver up to standards, 
nobody is contractually obligated to do something. So there's no big problem. It's a great way to do it. Yep. Great. Uh, okay. Are we moving on into closing the deal here? Or do you have anything let's, else on the making the connection? Yeah, I guess let's, that let's go yeah. into the Do you want to make that final point about letting the person do their work once you actually do make the connection? Yeah. So important. And this is hard to do. It does take uh, a lot of dedication to do to go from doing all the work yourself, building the website yourself, talking to the client yourself, designing the website yourself to now having somebody else do that on your behalf. So you as the agency founder or the person with their name on the contract, you have an obligation to deliver this work. And now somebody else is doing it. A lot of people do a lot of people see this and they micromanage. That's their solution to this. They tell right. someone exactly what to do, how to do it, and how to do it their way. That's a really bad thing to do when you are trying to make a connection. You have to let go. You have to let that person do work the way that they do work. That's how they're going to enjoy themselves. That's how they're going to do their best work. And that's how you're actually going to test the relationship. Oh. If you're just giving somebody orders, you're just testing if they can follow directions, which is not the only thing that people need when doing a project. That's just one aspect. So you have to let go and you need, you even need to do it during the test phase. Something that makes this a lot easier to do is when you find somebody who's better than you at something. Great example, if you're not a good designer and you find a good designer, back up, step away. This person's better than you. You're working with them for a reason. Stop micromanaging their design decisions. Let's see if this person can really bring your design to the next level for your agency. Yeah. So that's really how you have to think about it. This is so, so important when meeting new people. Yeah. Yeah. And let's um, give Wes a little shout out here. He says, I launched a clonable last month. I'm at up to 80 plus clones. It honestly feels awesome. Nice. Yeah, Wes, share that in the chat. Let's see if we can get you a couple more clones too. Um, we'll take a look at that. And I can't overstate the value of um, clonables in this industry, in this space. Mm -hmm. When I first got into this, yeah. and I know I've heard the same story from Joe and a million other people. When you start learning this, you start spending time in the showcase. When you start getting better at Webflow, you start, there's gotta be some kind of correlation about the amount of time you spend in the showcase. Whether you're looking for other people's clonable work, whether you're looking to see like who else to connect with or where you rank on the showcase, designer rankings or whatever it is, right? You just start looking there more. And as you start looking there more, you start deciding, oh, maybe I need to post some stuff here. And that can scale and compound. To be honest, that's why Clone Comp exists. Right, because I fell in love with the showcase. I still love clonable, like the clonable copy and paste functionality of Webflow is the most understated feature. Um, I think they're open sourcing design, uh, web design, which is something we'll release an article actually about next week uh, in relation to clone comp. But you, you can't, I can't overstate the value of having quality content inside of that showcase for people to find you who are looking and exploring in the space. Um, to this day, I still get something like 60 to a hundred clones uh, a month on my projects. And I don't 
actively post things on the showcase anymore. So imagine what that means from a organic traffic standpoint, people just noticing and finding you. And so if you're looking to get discovered in this space, 100% get excited about that showcase, start exploring the showcase, leave comments on other people's projects you could like Webflow has a low key little social component in there where you can get attention of lots of people by leaving a little comment on their showcase project, you know, like all these little signals can help put you on people's radar um, and help getting to the point where you're making connections with really talented people inside of this space. Um, so let's go to the next step. We've made the connection. You're trying to figure out what, how to, how to be successful together. So Joe, we're trying to close the deal. What, what, what's our next step here? <clears throat> Be transparent. Talk about everything that's on your mind. Mind. Talk about the things that you see going wrong in the relationship. Talk about the things you see going right in the relationship. Talk about any potential money issues that you see. And talk about the money issues. Don't leave these unspoken. Do not leave them undiscussed. This is so important. So many people will do work, do work, do work, say we're great together and then start talking about the money. And then mm. there's some mismatch and it doesn't work. A lot of people are nervous to talk about money or they don't want to talk about money or they think it's this like private thing. Don't do that. It's going to lead to more mistakes. It's going to lead to more confusion and just be transparent about it up front. So when we're bringing somebody onto FinSuite, what I do is I write them a pros and cons list of joining. And Reimar, I probably did this to you. Uh, I, I think I do it to pretty much everybody joining the team. Here's all the reasons why you'd want to join FinSuite. All the good things. And here are all the reasons why you may not want to join FinSuite. That now this may change in your workflow. Or now you won't be able to do this type of project. And now this is going to change. So that this person can make a real educated decision. And also, this is this is what you're going to be paid now based on this type of work. Maybe this goes up in the future. There's no promises, but in six months, we'll talk about it. Say everything. Be transparent. Let that person make a real educated decision if they should continue moving forward with you. Yeah. And so many people do not do this right now. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody who knows anything about negotiation uh, is that if you wait until that last minute, to talk about money or to try to get the specifics, like you're going to blow up the deal every time. Literally, you're just yep. going to you're going to explode the deal every single time. If you wait until the end to start talking about that stuff, you have to start the conversation with that. You have to be real frank about what you can afford, you know, what you're looking to get. If it's a partnership agreement, you know, how much are you looking to give up of, a, of, the, of the agency or, you know, are you going to start a JV together or is this a hiring relationship? So how much are they expecting to make on a monthly basis or on a per project basis or whatever it is, you know, like don't hide behind that because it's uncomfortable to talk about. Because if you leave that to the end, like Joe said, you will blow up any chance you have, like you won't close the deal, you know, at, at any time. Anytime anything changes relating to money at the end of the deal, even if it's like um, even if it's like a, a valid change, it leaves people feeling dirty. It's like, Oh, what's going on here? You know, why is this changing? Totally. And even again, even if it's for the best intentions, those perceptions at the end or those little things at the end can really just like sour a deal. So be careful around the money. I think that's a, that's a really good thing. And also make sure your goals are aligned long-term, yeah. right? 
So beyond the money, yeah. beyond like, hey, we're going to pay you X to do this. What does this person actually want to accomplish with their life? Right. What is their long term vision? Because if you're thinking if this person has spent the last six years of their life chasing X, Y, Z dream and they're just hard up for a little bit of cash and you're like, OK, well, I'll hire you to do this project right now, assuming that you're going to get them to always work for. No, no, no. It's not going to work like that because this person has a mission that's over here. And so you may, although it's a good fit for this one project, want to take somebody else who's maybe going to give you, um, uh, you know, a little bit more time, or a little bit more dedication. Uh, again, just because the goals, the long-term goals are more aligned. So, um, and Ezekiel is bringing it up. It's not like you're going to trick someone into joining their team without being in agreement on the money. So yeah, talk first and don't waste the time. That's the biggest thing is wasting people's time here. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Carrie, can you tell me a little bit more about what you mean? Way trickier for women. Um, does this relate to speaking about money or being um, straightforward with people? I'd, I'd like to understand that so we can um, maybe address that a little more directly if possible. Um, yeah. So anything else as it relates to closing the deal there, Joe? Um, or should we go to the next one? Yeah, let's prepare for success here. And I think a lot of this is just going to go right into whatever Q&A we have, because if you've done everything right up to this yeah. point, there's not a lot of options, but to be successful in a project, you know, um, if you typically, if, if you're not sure. being successful here, it's because you missed something else earlier down the road, right? It's because you weren't aligned on the goals. They weren't the right fit. Um, you know, miscommunication somewhere down the chain where you micromanaging someone, right? It could have been the perfect fit and your management style just doesn't fit. So, you know, there's lots of different things that could kind of, cause a relationship like this to not be successful. But ideally, if you followed some of the track that we've given you here, you'll have a higher likelihood of success. Um, can you think, Joe, right off the top of the head, um, what might be, um, you know, what might be a, a, a cause for failure or something that people can do to, to really help their odds at success? Yeah, trying to be too controlling. This one is really obvious from both sides, from people looking for talent, for talent looking to join other talent. Don't try to own the conversation. Don't try to be 51% to the other person's 49% if you're trying to have a mutual agreement. A lot of times people are just trying to have this nice friendship and somebody tries to do too much. They try to micromanage or take control or be the leader when they really don't need to be the leader. Be really aware of this and know what type of relationship you're getting into. Are you working for a company? Is this supposed to be a 50-50? You have to act like that. So just be really self-aware about how you are moving forward with this relationship and how you're treating this person you're working with. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, there's some comments going here. Let's see, going back to Carrie's comment um get punished for negotiating um i'd like to understand that still more and ezekiel uh brings up a point here says recommend looking into the personality trait of agreeableness uh creatives ezekiel that's a great um mention creatives are typically very empathetic right and uh we have this agreeable nature where we want to either please people or keep people happy or 
You know, we don't want people to dislike us. And a lot of times that puts us in difficult positions in a negotiating standpoint, especially if you're dealing with, you know, somebody who's a hardened CEO or a hardened negotiator. Um, and so, Joe, this may be interesting for us to do a deep dive into some sales tactics, negotiations, uh, back yeah. and forth stuff, how to handle objections. Because, Carrie, I bet, I bet you could probably with some positioning help fix some of that. I don't know that that's like a woman versus a male thing, more so than like a positioning when prepping for negotiation stuff. And so um, that, and Joe and I, we've talked about some of this stuff before doing like hardcore sales workshops, because that's one of the reasons yeah. we do this growth show versus doing like tutorials and like more teaching for entry level stuff. Because in my mind, there's a lot of people teaching how to be technically proficient at Webflow. Uh, or web design in general, there's very few people teaching the basics of what it takes to run a business in the space about how to sell, about how to work with the clients, about how to recruit talent, about how to do the things that we talk about here. So maybe that's just a good signal, Joe, for us to take some of that in a future episode um, and, and break down like real specific around sales and negotiation. Yeah, I, I like that idea. And I'd also like to make a comment on the term negotiation and the idea yeah. around negotiation. This goes right into Ezekiel's comment, right into Carrie's comment. Try not to think of this as negotiating. When I think of that word, I think of fighting for your right, fighting for your edge. So what I just said before, don't try to overpower somebody. Don't try to, hey, I want to get the best out of this agreement than I possibly can. That's not the best way to enter an agreement. And that's what negotiation is all about in my eyes, that it's getting your higher place in this relationship. So try not to think about negotiation and instead think about how do we make this work? How can our goals be aligned? How can our money requirements be aligned so we're both happy? That's it. When you start approaching these negotiations like that, I think you're going to find a lot more success in people wanting to work with you and wanting to listen to you because that's a much more mutual and, hey, let's make this thing work mentality than, hey, I want this much money. What's your counteroffer to that? So I do think we should talk about this. I have a lot to say about this. I never like to use the term negotiate. I really yeah. don't. Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah, uh, negotiation, I think uh, it does have a little bit of that, you know, kind of like aggressive tone it and not can. necessarily aggressive but it like can. um what's the word i'm i'm looking for like conflict like it's it yes. kind of implies conflict right like if we're negotiating or Offer, something there's, uh -huh, there's some back and forth um and so while the process may be negotiation um thinking about it in a different way thinking about it in a win-win you know thinking about um you know how to how to how to remove some of that confrontation from the process and that goes to it. Uh, there's a, so that ah, we can't get into this because there's so much into being indifferent <laughs> and to coming off yeah. as if you don't care when you do care, right? Like in, in sales, there's a thing called indifference. And if you can master indifference when it comes to negotiating or back and forth, like it's almost impossible to negotiate with somebody who's indifferent, right? And it, to be indifferent means that if somebody says a project's $10,000, you're like, Okay, yeah, no big deal. Or if it's $100,000, no big deal, right? Oh, uh, or acting like you don't really need the project, even if you might, right? Coming off and presenting yourself in certain ways can completely change the dynamic of a, of a sales relationship. 
And this is where I go back to, I think a lot of what's happening, and this isn't, I don't think this is a male or female thing. This is a creative thing. Creators are really high in empathy, which means they're terrible negotiators because they just want to give in and make people happy, right? Like I have friends all around me. I've seen this in the creative space where they just, they want to make sure someone's happy. They want to do right by somebody. They want to use their skills for a good reason. And a lot of times they find themselves being taken advantage of because they don't know how to position themselves or because they feel it's confrontational to ask for what they believe in or to get what they believe in. And so I think um, that just reinforces my thought about getting getting some real hardcore sales stuff, or maybe even doing like workshops on this. This may be smaller scale, less streamy. This could be more like, hand-to-hand, face-to-face type stuff. So um, let's keep that in mind for a future episode, and we'll go ahead and open this up to the Q&A right now. Um, And somebody, Wolfie, brings up a point here. We were supposed to bring this up in our um, announcements, but we didn't. Wolfie, uh, there was an episode coming up about Webflow e-commerce. We decided to nix that for a number of reasons, um, which maybe we can get into, but we, we don't, Yeah, quickly. essentially Webflow's e-commerce right. is just not there yet. And we didn't have a, we didn't want to have an episode roasting Webflow e-commerce. Webflow e-commerce is really strong for really simple applications for some of the more basic stuff. Um, but we don't do a lot of Webflow e-commerce projects. Therefore we don't consider ourselves Webflow e-commerce experts. So we didn't want to approach an episode, which we thought might just turn into, you know, a, a complaint fest about some of this stuff. And so um, maybe down the road in another way, we'll talk about Webflow e-commerce, but for right now, we decided to kind of stay away from some of that. We have a a nice response from Carrie. I imagine FinSuite contract talks are probably very different than at most companies. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. I I have to imagine that is true. It's very relaxed, very casual. And like I said, it's truly about mutual benefit. I'm not just saying that to to make it sound good. That is actually the goal. It's not about negotiation. And actually, when somebody negotiates too hard, that is a potential red flag. If somebody's sitting there negotiating, negotiating, and I feel that that power from that person of, hey, I'm pushing myself to get this high amount, that is a red flag. So yeah, I I bet it is very different. And so listening to this stuff, hopefully uh, more companies will be moving to this type of model in the future. But yes, that's that's right, Carrie. Yeah, Carrie, and um, it's it's also just, it it comes from this very, it's, it's very lackadaisical methodology where like, Again, going back to that indifference where it's just like, we don't need the relationship. You don't necessarily need the next project, right? It's a, it's different if you don't have a bank of projects and it's different if you don't have someone like Joe running this, because this takes a very specific type of mindset to operate. And so, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know maybe how to address that Joe without you know, showering too much praise, but like to, to, to be real honest, like a lot of this does come from Joe's leadership style where I think he runs quite a bit of different operation than most places I've ever worked at or that most people have worked at. And part of what we're trying to do with this show is to expose some of that, to show that there are different ways to do this and to show that, you know, like this is what this industry is all about. In my mind, all of this stuff that we're doing is about rewriting the rules for how the world works and how we can work together. 
and we're very uh, blessed to be able to provide value and to earn our income at the ends of these screens. And so finding new ways to make those mutually beneficial relationships still result in profitable and growing businesses uh, is kind of our responsibility in this modern world. And so um, that's all I'll leave on, on some of that. That's all I'll say on that. Nice. How do uh, I follow see. up that? Yeah, <laughs> that's it. End of episode. <laughs> Ezekiel, real quick, a point on hiring. Keep scalability in mind. Oftentimes, an hourly rate is not the best solution for compensation. It can be difficult to scale. Yeah, Joe, um, you just recently made the switch to more, you know, uh, monthly based projects versus hourly. Any anything totally. you want to say to that? Well, I never really liked hourly. I've I've been a fan of project based work. So, hey, here's this project. You're going to be paid this amount for completion of this project or fixed per month. And we just started getting into fixed per month this year. Hourly rate is never something that I really liked because it gets really tricky when things take longer than expected or shorter than expected. People feel like they're not being paid the amount that they should be paid. And projects with clients, projects with companies can go crazy with an mm -hmm. hourly amount for something that is delayed or something that is taking longer than expected. So no, I would, I would try to drop the hourly rate unless it's something very, very specific to hourly rate, like data yeah. entry. That's a great hourly rate type project. When it's creative, hourly rate doesn't work. Cool. All right. A vote here from Ari Arianat. Arianto, not sure how you say that, but agree. Please do the sales stuff. That's a vote for the sales stuff. Why it's saying alternative solution, find a sales guy to hire on commission. Uh, sure. Careful with that, Wyatt. Um, as Very long as this careful. person knows websites, they know Webflow, because the worst thing that you could do is put a salesperson that doesn't know what they're selling out in front of you to sell your products. Because salespeople just want to sell, right? If you give a pit bull a piece of meat, he's just going to eat, right? And so salespeople just want to go sell. And when they're talking to the client, they're like, the client says, we need a user login and do this. Of course we can do that. And you go back and you're like, no, we can't do that. And then, the, and then you know, like you, don't, you, you could run into those situations a lot. So just be careful. I agree, Wyatt. Finding a salesperson that you can pay on commission or that's valuable um, in the space. Joe and I were talking about before the show that I've had a couple relationships like that that pitch me like that, where they wanted to sell and they wanted me to fulfill the websites. And those could be um, fruitful relationships, but just be careful because um, salespeople, you know, like to sell. <laughs> yeah. And if you are doing that, that salesperson has to be highly knowledgeable about Webflow or you need to train them really, really well because in every sales call with Webflow, there's going to be technical questions. And even if they're simple native Webflow questions, you have to know Webflow in order to answer that. So it took us over a year to find our salesperson. And this person has been through training for months and now they are at the point where they're handling everything. But this was a huge process. Very difficult to find this person. Yeah, and this is not there. This is not a a low level position. This is not like uh, something mm -hmm. you're going to outsource to uh, Fiverr or uh, or Upwork or anything like that. 
if anything, if you're going to find a quality salesperson, it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the episode, finding those strong relationships, um, connecting with people in meaningful ways so that you know that this person is going to add value. Um, so Jay's saying, yeah, uh, the salesperson needs to know all the technical things to answer the questions, the correct answers for sure. Uh, industry salespeople with hands-on experience, Brandon, 100%. Um, and Ezekiel saying, how do you know when you need to make a hire? I love the idea of bringing on another Webflow dev, but I'm not sure it's the right time. The thought of a full-time dev is scary. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit at the beginning of the episode. Um, and actually, if you look at episode one of the Growth Podcast, Ezekiel, we go in-depth on this. Um, but yeah, it can be scary. Um, you probably don't want to make that commitment on hiring somebody full time until you know you can carry that expense, even if you don't land a project, you know. Um, otherwise, you could be hiring somebody and then letting them go a month later, and that's not going to do anybody um, any good. And trying the, trying the project approach first is going to be safer for you. Bringing somebody on to just do one project they do it successfully, then they do another project. And after a few projects, then you can be confident to hire that person full time. <laughs> I'll check out the episode one. Thanks, Ezekiel. And then Maria, uh, random comment, Rymar, I can almost feel your AC working. I'm jealous. <laughs> we had a conversation <laughs> with a couple ladies the other day and um, we were talking AC things. And so uh, we keep it nice and cool here at Shade Ray Ray. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it gets hot out here in Florida. So, um, okay. I think that's all we got. That's episode 23 of F and growth. Joe, any final thoughts for the crowd here? Nice. This was a great one. I hope everybody learned something. And I feel like we got two or three new episodes that have to be added to the list from this conversation. So those are good too. Let's get into more of these sales things. Let's get into yeah. more of these, how to create community, how, how to create these connections. Yep. Great. Uh, are we doing some, uh, are we doing some co-work today? I cannot, I am okay. not available for the co-work. Okay. So we skip co-work today. We'll catch on next week. Um, join us for critique Thursday. Let's see. We've got a brand new episode of critique coming Thursday. Um, Rohan, maybe you can share in the comments for people to submit a website. Uh, we're getting lots of cool websites submitted. Um, if you're interested in getting some feedback on a project that you have upcoming, uh, we do these growth streams every Tuesday. And then on Thursdays, we do a critique show where we bring in guest judges from all across the Webflow community to share their thoughts on the different projects. Um, so yeah, please, if you're interested, come see us Thursday. Otherwise, we'll catch you back here next Tuesday. And that's all. I got nothing else. See you guys next episode. Bye. Thanks, everyone.